HR Bytes, a podcast and video series to bring you stories of HR professionals who bring a think globally and act locally digital HR agenda to their work. Everyday people who are driving digital transformations in their organizations, data-driven and future-fit digital HR leaders. You can listen to us on all your favorite podcast channels and watch us on YouTube as well. Do follow us on social. And this is your host, Jay Pulaki. Today's guest is the wonderful Stella Lupashore. Welcome to HR Bytes, Stella. I'm delighted to share your insights with the HR Bytes community today. Hi, Jay. Thrilled to be here and thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. Stella, um, you are one of those thought leaders who's written a couple of books about the HR tech space and how we need to keep the human touch while we implement and revolutionize the HR function using leveraging technology. Could you tell us a little bit about your work and how you got started in the space? Absolutely. Um... I, this is the space I was educated for, right? I come from a math and computer science. At that time, it was still, uh, you know, very basic technology that evolved over time. And I ended up in HR by chance, uh, chance mm-hmm. of luck. And I, I really found myself because I, I saw how the work I'm doing from technology perspective can impact me personally as a worker. And I, you know, my career pivot happened right there. I was uh, really drawn to not only looking through the technology lens and what you can implement, but how can you change the processes? How can you reimagine the service delivery model? How can you rethink the strategy in order to bring that experience uh, that brings the talent out of everyone? I think a lot of times we think about um, performance and people's ability to be good workers through just the number they get at the end of the year, as opposed to saying, what is the context where they work? How can we reduce the friction and minimize the challenges they run into in the process of doing their work? And as a result, unleash their potential, unleash their talent and help them be their best at work. Um, so yeah, I've, uh, I've, I've, been in the corporate world for most of my career at the intersection of HR and technology and analytics, uh, since that was also part of the uh, of the work. And over the past six, seven years now, um, I love the corporate world. I went more into a portfolio career. So I do consult. And for the most part, the consulting work is focused on the same analytics, technology, and human-centered uh, design. I also advise a lot of startups uh, because I see so much innovation happening uh, in the space of HR tech, in the space of work tech, and I can impart not only my experience, but also how large enterprises um, deploy or choose even uh, some of these technologies and things for them to incorporate either into their product or into a go-to-market messaging or whatever will help them maximize their likelihood of growing as a company and as a product. I also teach. I believe in um, giving back to the next generation and developing the the, the minds of tomorrow. And uh, I teach the same thing that I consult on um, 
the class, it's called digital workplace design. So it's really bringing that design thinking, um, technology and analytics insights to the world of work in order to change the workplace experience, not HR processes, workplace experience. So that's a, a more of a, a different way of looking at the world of HR. Wonderful. Well, that's a great intro to our um, discussion today. Our topic of conversation is all about leveraging technology and an analytics and data, which is kind of the new oil <laughs> when it comes to organizational success and, of course, work experience design. Um, so, you know, you and I met at the HR Technology Conference just this past week, and all of this was front and center, right? There were more than like, I don't know, 500 service providers, vendors in the expo hall. And um, I believe there were more than 5,000 attendees, uh, close to 10,000 maybe. I'm not really sure about the numbers, uh, but it was a huge, huge conference. And AI was front and center of every technology <laughs> provider, right? Um, how do you think we should be approaching building H AI into the HR function? You know, um, HR leaders today definitely need to prepare our function for the increased use of AI in our work because it's everywhere. It's, we are surrounded by this. But how do you think we should approach building AI into the HR function? So let's let's start with HR tech. It was the first time for me too, and absolutely overwhelming size and skill um and you're right everybody says they're building ai solution and it feels like the early stages of analytics when all the vendors were saying we're building analytics fill in the blank and i think it's one of those um early where are the early stages of this space and people will call ai you know, a basic regression model and, 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 you know, to some degree they have some, some correctness, <laughs> but the, the opportunity space, I think from HR perspective is tremendous. When we think about the, um, even, even up until this year before the generative AI and all these large language models that kind of became commonplace and everybody jumped on the bandwagon. There's a lot of innovation happening in uh, HR technologies stacks. We had a lot more data to analyze. We were able to make better linkages to the business outcomes and make predictions about attrition and about uh, best um, potential for the company, best fit. So there was already a lot of utilization that allowed us to learn along the way that also shaped some of the regulatory direction uh, uh, for for HR in general when it comes to these technologies. We know that whether technology um, is introducing bias, whether the, well, whether the model is introducing bias or the data that was used to train the model is introducing bias, regardless of where the source is, the company that is using it has the responsibility to audit itself and make sure that there is no discrimination for certain segments. The company and the development teams and the implementation teams have to know what questions to ask in order to make sure that you have the right approach. And more importantly, I think companies are starting to realize that you really need to include 
more voices in the projects. So you can then have somebody say, hey, what about the segment I represent? How will that work for me? The better and the more inclusive you are part of the design process um, to represent different voices, the more likely your solution is going to be um, less risky in general for, for us to approach. And I think that approach is part of human-centered design as well, right? You have a participatory design, you bring people together, you don't wait until you deploy, you really bounce it off the, the real world and then you improve as you go. And um, with this advanced models, I think you you have to do that because you do not know what you don't know. You do not know all the possible ways things could go wrong. You do not know what type of data you may encounter tomorrow. So having a feedback loop and a, a, a way to have a representative sample of all the possible uh, risky areas or segments that you need to account for or edge cases will, will really develop a better solution in the long term. Wonderful. And, you know, leadership is now asking every team to do more with less, um, you know, given the economic climate and the the world at war. <laughs> in, in, in Literally. <laughs> Literally, right? It's horrible. Um, so in such a scenario, the adoption of technology by HR teams for all aspects of our function is kind of a necessity. It's inevitable because we really need to leverage tech to do our work uh, better and be more efficient, more productive. Um, how should we consider using AI, you know, given all of these uh, challenges and pitfalls that AI does bring, but there are also potential benefits of using AI. Um, and I, I really think that there is a way to use AI in our HR function today for the betterment of our workplace and our work world. But how do we consider using AI to completely shift the way we work versus just this Band-Aid approach, like a you know fast approach where you use AI, like all these service providers now say, hey, there's AI in our platform, right? Um, without actually going deeper into potential utilizing the the potential of ai to its to its utmost what what do you think about this how should we you know be completely shifting the way we work using ai versus just you know this temporary approach to use ai to do something fast in the in the short term there are a couple of aspects to this so maybe more than than a couple um first of all we look at the HR technology through the HR process lens. We will create the better mousetrap for sourcing talent, for you know managing the funnel, for creating employee records, managing payroll benefits. People don't spend more than maybe 5% of their time in the HR world. And if they can minimize that, they will. <laughs> they spend their time at work, doing the work. And HR has very little control over those tools. They do have some influence over the relationship between team members and peers and managers, but they can they only influence, they don't control. Manager is going to do what manager is going to be rewarded or punished for, really, at the core of it. So how can HR be accountable for the employee experience if they really have very little control, right? They, they can only influence. 
But HR has the ability to bring together all the parties that needed to make better decisions and say, instead of us in HR worrying about compensation, um, because compensation is a problem and therefore we're going to go choose another technology to help us do a better compensation plan, maybe we should look at what it's like to be an employee from the moment they're hired, at what level they've been hired, what compensation level they've gotten, how has their performance changed over time, is there a pattern in that team that we see everybody being lower paid than the average did they not get promoted uh, in time or they got promoted too soon and they weren't ready? How the trajectory of the compensation growth for them evolved over time compared to other segments? Um, then you have a very different story. You're not solving HR problems. You're solving workforce problems. And it's not just compensation. It's everything, right? When we come to work, how many tools do you have to interact with? How many apps that you forget the password that, then you have to deal with IT who, it, it, you know, all the frictions that we have to deal with just because everybody is solved for their own segment and island, um, as opposed to looking through the lens of the worker. And the problem we have, and, and in general, most of the organizations, we look through the lens of some other stakeholders, right? It could be customer, and therefore, we're going to solve all the problems for the customers at whatever expense when it comes to employees' experience. Or we'll solve for the shareholders or whoever cares about the cost management. So we'll minimize the cost and therefore not invest in infrastructure, not invest in the right type of tools and the right type of experience. So all of, all of this is to say that it's time to bring the worker to the forefront too. I think we see a lot of labor movement and unions popping up in all sorts of industries that we weren't expecting. Some of them were expecting, but in some of them, like Apple people, um, you know, Netflix, right? There are new types of um, pushback that is starting to come against these draconian decisions that really take employees to the lowest uh, priority level when it comes to investments, when it comes to improvements. And my biggest question is like, if, if I as, as an employee do not know what a good experience feels like, how can I deliver that to my customers? So now from HR perspective, from technology perspective, from analytics perspective, we have so much more data. Now we can string this story together and say, Let's look at all of these experiences along the way. Let's look at all the uh, friction points that people um, experience in, in at the workplace. Let's link it to business outcomes that we care about, and let's build a story. Are we, are we really hiring the right type of people in order to deliver this type of customer satisfaction? Are we training them? Are we integrating them into the company culture? Are we giving them the tools they need to be able to do that? And not, you know, what is the cost of losing that customer? Now you're standing on a very different, you know, footing in terms of, like, would you rather save 5% but you'll lose so many accounts just because they don't get the experience they're expecting from you? Or is it okay to invest in that extra $20 um, a week in order to be able to bring this person to a living wage? 
and give them the, you know, take that worry off their mind um, so they can focus on doing what they're expected to do. You speak about this in your book. You know, yeah. you um, you have this uh, book called Humans at Work. I think uh, it's it's titled and it's somewhere not here on my desk, but it's in my it's on my other desk. I've been reading it, and you talk about this uh, four plus three W's framework. Yeah. You know, it's the worker and the work, and you differentiate between the four W's and the three W's. Um, so what you just said is very uh, resonates with me a lot because it's so essential to keep that worker and work uh, differentiator in perspective when designing the workplace experiences of today. And you're so right about, you know, the um, all the stuff that we are seeing that's coming out of the woodwork at us today. Um, there's so much out there, not just with pushback from unionized workplaces, but just pushback from remote workers, pushback from folks who want to be in the office, pushback from folks who don't want to be in the office. So this is this is a huge new era for us in, in, in the workplace. And um, when it comes to AI, bringing back the focus to AI and the ethics of AI yep. in the midst of all this, you know, there are a couple of laws uh, that came out. New York City, where you're located, uh, had that local law 144 that went into effect in, on July 4th, July 5th this this past uh, this year. And then we have several, you know, I think there's one in Chicago, some in California, and the EEOC also had a technical guideline release in May of this year. And apparently, even though Vatican is getting in on the AI craze, they released a handbook on the ethics of artificial intelligence as defined by the Pope. So, <laughs> you know, everyone seems to be a part of this conversation, wants to be a part of this conversation, and I think is crucial to the to this conversation to have everyone involved. But how do you think we in HR should think about building the guardrails for the ethical use of AI in our organizations and beyond? Obviously, we have to really pay attention to all of these legal, um, ever-evolving legal space. Um, the other uh, consideration for HR practitioners is to be educated, right? We really need to understand and play with it. Reading an article is not going to make you understand the implications and ramifications. And the interesting part is a lot of people expect a training course to be out there or to go sign up for uh, um, you know some sort of a degree all of that it's helpful but the space is evolving so fast that majority of the content is in some discord server or in some you know slack channel and it's in people's heads so you really need to have an omni-channel approach to ingesting information so you can understand what exactly it is that you're dealing with. And more importantly is to have um, opposing opinions or try to listen to the to all to the full spectrum of uh, perspectives because that's where you'll find the nuggets based on which you'll understand how complex the space is. The internal um, guardrails as you describe them, they will always be a moving target, right? Because before large language models appeared, there was a certain point of view and there were certain assumptions on how technology works and how it, were the potential risks and downsides. With large language models, that's all bets are off. Yeah, this, still some of the same principles apply, but now 
you have a very different quality of questions that, that are emerging, right? If I use ChatGPT to build my reports, what does it mean in terms of my work and what I'm responsible for? If I'm a consultant and I charge per hour, now I'm able to save half of half, I don't know, maybe more of my time in order to produce that deliverable. What do I charge? I still deliver the same type of value, but it's it's a different amount of time and investment. So the definition of what is the work that gets done and what is the value that gets attributed to work is changing too. If you as an individual um, have a, 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 a data set and the system can allow you to analyze it in the matter of seconds, that usually would take you, I don't know, a day. but you uploaded the data into this public space and you're infringing possibly lots of data sharing uh, um, limits. <laughs> Who's responsible, right? So a lot of the challenges and questions that are starting to emerge, you, you really need to have this as a ever-evolving body of do's and don'ts and common sense and things that are no-no definitely because they are by law forbidden versus things that we can talk about and maybe there was a mistake but we learn from it and we have a public debate to raise it up as opposed to hiding it and then uh, for, for litigation reasons or for disciplinary reasons for whatever and then not being able to benefit from that lesson learned to spread that knowledge across the, the rest of the organization. So I feel like there is a space and place for this transparency inside the company to discuss, debate, and have different opposing opinions. And HR is perfectly situated in the middle of facilitating that conversation. But you really need to have the right language and the right type of questions that you can ask to prompt people to uh, give you the answers. Wonderful. And on that note, what's your advice for HR professionals who are looking to adopt or adapt to new technology, especially AI? Stop using it. And there are paid versions, but I, I, I keep telling people like I have four employees. I have Bard, Bing, Claude, and ChatGPT. So Bard is Google's uh, large language uh, model. Uh, Bing is Microsoft's. Claude is Anthropics, and ChatGPT is the OpenAI. So use it. I I couldn't I couldn't uh, comprehend. Well, I, I was reading a lot of materials. I was reading a lot of articles. I would listen to podcasts. I was trying to kind of stay in in the <laughs> in tune with what was developing, but until I started using it, it, it wasn't clicking. So um, the best way to learn about it is is use it and be curious and make it make it as a as a challenge to yourself. Like can I can I find a way that is not gonna be able to do uh, good work? Can I bid it, right? So to me, it's like, oh, let me ask in a more complex way or let me ask a very different question. Let me throw different problems at it and see what it does. And it's still impressing me every single time. Absolutely. I mean, I love playing around with those prompts. Um, you know, apparently uh, it's the prompt engineers that are going to rule the world. 
<laughs> so <laughs> we'll see about that. But in your opinion, lastly, what are the technology challenges for HR leaders in 2024 and beyond, given all this newfangled tech that we have right now? I, I think it's going to be less about technology. It's one particular one. It's going to be a lot about integration. We see all of these incredible solutions coming up and they're evolving really fast, but all, most of them are point solutions or they have such a complex integrated stack that it's, it's, it's really difficult to navigate around it and implementation-wise and um, kind of piping, putting the pipes in the back end, it's very complicated. So it's having that modularity concept that, as well as really, really good integration capabilities is probably where the answer is going to come from because um, you have all of this data that lives in all sorts of platforms and you have all of these vendors that you need to manage contracts with. You have all of these uh, design patterns that do not match across different solutions. So it creates even more complexity for the employees as opposed to creating a better experience. So sometimes less is more, more, and sometimes is really taking a step back and looking at that experience and journey is what's going to give you the right type of answer. But solving for the integration probably will be the biggest problem for decades to come. Wonderful. Well, that brings us to the funner part of our conversation today, our question connection, where our audience and community get to know you a little bit more. Um, so I'm going to have a set of rapid fire questions ready. All right. Well, who is one person you've gained in your network in the past year in the HR tech space that you think we should all connect with? Uh, I would say, and although it wasn't connection in the last year, it was probably uh, during the pandemic, um, uh, Stacia Gar. So Red Thread Research, I'm a big fan of a lot of the work they do, of the quality of the research they do, of the depth of thinking. So um, anyone interested to stay on top of all the technology evolution, that's probably the best source to go get educated. Wonderful. And we'll link that uh, connection in the show notes for the audience. Um, what's your favorite HR podcast or a book that's related to our HR tech space? Um, I would claim the ignorance that I'm not following a lot of HR tech podcasts. I've run and I've met uh, at the HR tech conference the uh, the, the Chad and, and Cheese pair, oh, yes. and I was really impressed. And I started listening to a few of their episodes, and it's like it's a really good content and it's fun way of telling complex stories. So that may be at least. The first one I'm listening to. <laughs> sure, yeah. um, I got Joel Cheeseman to chime in on our <laughs> HR Bytes recording at the at the conference. It was fun to get him in the hall. Right, they are funny. <laughs> they are funny. Um, so yeah, that could be probably the 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 one I would suggest. Okay. Um, do you have any recommendations for LinkedIn learning or e-learning series or webinars for, related to HR tech or HR? that we could um, share with our audience and community? Again, I will um, not give you an answer because <laughs> I don't have any, because the content I'm intrigued about and studying and learning doesn't exist yet. 
What is so, that? A, a lot of the um, generative AI related content, right? It's it's mm, yeah. It's in Discord servers. It's in uh, obscure technical podcasts that uh, it's not a course yet that you can go take. So to me, you know, go to unusual places, go to archive uh, uh, website to read papers, because that's that's where really the latest and greatest uh, research is published. Um, it's, um, it's not converted yet. There is an opportunity for you, Jay, maybe. <laughs> To build I, one. I want to go into learning and development, but I'll think about it. <laughs> um, so given the upheaval of all things work and workplace and worker, what is one workplace trend that you think is here to stay? Hybrid. All right. And Stella, you uh, give back to the community and the HR community in myriad ways. How do you enjoy giving back? Is there a specific organization that we can give a shout out to here or a community that you think we should all be a part of? Um, coming into this conversation, I had one idea, but I'm going to go with another one. I'll still say it. So okay. giving back, I think it's everyone who knows some or it's an expert in specific space has to teach others because you may be five minutes ahead of somebody else but they will greatly benefit benefit from that five minutes ahead of you <laughs> so whatever you can share um and, and for me teaching is really fulfilling and satisfying experience because i learn from the students just as much as uh, they learn in a class another um answer I want to give is the community, the importance of community support and bringing the community together. So the organization that um, I co-founded a while back was Jeremy Shapiro, um, which is a analytics meetup. It's it's a it's a public group on meetup.com. It's called NY Strategic HR Analytics Meetup. Okay. <laughs> I think more sophisticated than that, um, but it's grown over years into a really thriving group of practitioners who care about analytics, who um, develop solutions, who want to hire from this community, who uh, want to bring their talent to other companies. So uh, before the pandemic, of course, it was all in person. Through the pandemic, we moved to virtual. Now we have our first event on November 1st in New York City that we're resuscitating the in-person gatherings. And we are going to talk about impact of generative AI on HR, on analytics, on skills, on regulatory uh, evolution. So to me, those are the best learning um, destinations for for anyone who is interested in the space, but also wants to meet other people because magic happens during the networking when people grab a drink, when they serendipitously talk about something that eventually becomes a project or a new career or, who knows, maybe a new relationship. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely true. Thank you so much. We'll uh, also share that in the show notes so people can find you and maybe come to one of your meetups in New York City. Um, thank you, Stella, for being here today. I really appreciate your time. If our uh, community would like to get in touch with you, what is the best way for them to reach you? Find me on LinkedIn and you can email me at stella at reframe.work. Stella was one out.
Wonderful. Thank you again, Stella. And I am looking forward to bringing more such HR tech stories to the community. Have a wonderful day and uh, rest of the month. And we'll see you uh, next month. Thank you again. Thank you.